Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. This episode is airing on Tuesday, September 5th, 2023. Hello, everyone. It's Shannon back with you for another Tuesday morning episode. And today I am excited to share an interview I did with author Genevieve Gornicek. And this is going to be up your alley if you are looking for some mythological retellings that don't focus on the Greco-Roman pantheon. So if you like learning about Vikings, then I definitely recommend you pay attention to this interview that I did with author Genevieve Gornachak. After that, I will be back with you to chat about some of this week's new releases. So we will start out with the housekeeping information, and then we will get on into the meat of the episode. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Book Bistro Podcast. There we have our usual Facebook page where we keep track of our Wednesday reads and also post information about the Friday episodes. We also have a Facebook listener group that you're welcome to join. And if you prefer a different type of listener group, you can contact us and ask about our WhatsApp group. Both groups are pretty small, not super high traffic, and we would love to have you. If you want to get in touch with us off of social media, you can do so by sending an email to thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. If you're looking for our main hosting page where you can find information on the podcatchers that make Book Bistro available to you, you can find that information in our show notes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am here with author Genevieve Gornachek, and we are talking about her latest novel, The Weaver and the Witch Queen. This released in the U.S. actually on the day that we are recording this, which is July 25th. Genevieve, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Can we start with a brief description of The Weaver and the Witch Queen so that listeners have a bit of an idea what to expect? So The Weaver and the Witch Queen is a fantastical reimagining of the origin story of Gunhild, mother of kings, who was a 10th century queen of Norway. And uh, it's just about how she becomes the person that uh, we know her from as from the stories. Uh, and uh, I made up a couple of friends for her because who doesn't need a couple best friends? Absolutely. So what was sort of your inspiration for this? Like, is this um, someone that you've always been interested in kind of exploring like her origin story or kind of what gave you this idea um, as kind of the story that you wanted to tell? 
Well, uh, I am a big fan of, since I'm a giant nerd um, for anything Viking Age related, uh, I really adore the medieval Icelandic sagas. They were composed after the Viking Age, but they talk about events that allegedly happened during the Viking Age. Um, And in these stories, we have all kinds of um, like mundane things like farmers in Iceland arguing over like sheep grazing rights and there's a bunch of blood feuds and honor killings um but you've also got like a healthy dose of the supernatural and not only that you also have uh these these characters who are women who in a lot of the sagas are kind of sidelined we only hear about them um like things that happen to them uh, yes and, yes and a lot of the times even like the the strongest most fiercest women are kind of not even the main characters in their own stories. Uh, So I really wanted to take one of these women and kind of give her this inner life and like her own struggles apart from what the men are doing. And Gunhild, because she has been villainized in a lot of the sources, um, she does some very questionable things. Uh, she was just such a fascinating character that I really just wanted to explore her life and like how she becomes the person we know her as. Well, and there's so much rich mythology um, surrounding like the Norse pantheons Mm -hmm. and like, you know, Valkyries and just like all these things that, as you say, are kind of that like healthy dose of things that we kind of living in our, you know, mundane world. Yes. Like we we don't experience or, or really know about aside from just reading you know, sometimes like I took a mythology class in high school and another yeah. one in college. And I learned a little bit about the Norse pantheon, but, you know, primarily it's like Greek and Roman yes. and Celtic. Um, and so I have always found the Norse, you know, the more kind of like Scandinavian stories um, to be interesting mm-hmm. and something that we don't, we don't hear as much about. Right, exactly. Um, and I heard from a lot of people after my debut novel, The Witch's Heart, um, I, heard, I heard people say, like, this was my first introduction to Norse mythology uh, outside of, like, Marvel, which is not Norse mythology, uh, yes. even, no. even though, yeah, even though, I mean, I'm able to, like, like, compartmentalize things. So, like, I know that Marvel is just something different, and I'm able to enjoy it because they're not claiming to be, like, totally, you know, accurate or whatever. Right. Um, yeah. So I think that's that's super fun. Um, and I think it was a good time for the witch's heart just because of the popularity of characters and you know like loki um and thor and all of them like people are like kind of maybe a little bit familiar with them from the movies but um i went pretty hard on my 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 source material the edas for for that novel and i've literally had people say like this book helped me pass my mythology course in college and i was like wow like that i'm such a nerd that's an honor like Um, we had a, a cat um, that belonged to a, a friend of mine and she named her Freya. Oh, awesome. Yes. Which I thought was, was very cool. Oh, so cool. Um, <laughs> yes. And so she lived uh, for a time in the other side of our, our duplex. And That's she awesome. was a, a very cool uh, little tortoiseshell. Oh, named Freya. Yes. Oh my gosh. My, my Tordy, literally I'm looking at her right now and they just have such an attitude. I love them. I think that, I think Freya is a perfect name for a Tordy personally. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I have two, uh, two tabbies and oh Siamese currently. Oh. Um, but yes, I, I did. I did like the Freya cat a lot. Yes. That's I'm awesome. kind of sorry. She wasn't mine. Oh. <laughs> so 
right now, you know, we are seeing a lot of retellings um, from different different types of, of fantasy, um, you know, kind of those origin stories. We're seeing a lot of tellings of like Greek and Roman mythology. So it just seems like a really good time, not only, you know, from what you were saying about like the witch's heart, but also just that sort of broadening of like, okay, here is something that's outside of kind of the, the Greco-Roman Mm-hmm. stuff that we are used to hearing about right yeah exactly um and I I was a I was a Greek mythology girly as when I was younger um I I devoured different versions of the Greek myths I don't really remember them that well anymore um mm-hmm. but I really I really didn't get into um you know Viking stuff and Nordic mythology until I was in college um and I have gotten to kind of explore that area on more of like an academic level. Whereas like with Greek mythology, I kind of only have like a passing like familiarity with it. So, you know, people ask me like, are you ever going to switch and like write about a different mythology? I'm like, no, I'm too deep. I'm too deep. (laughs) Well, and I think, you know, it's not that there isn't room for more retellings of those stories and kind of, you know, bringing in more sort of, diversity and just mm-hmm. new takes on all of these things. Right. But I think it is really cool that you are kind of outside of that box yeah. where we do get some exposure to like the Norse. Right. And like Vikings, like yes. in general are like very big right now. And I think they have been like, you know, the past 10 years have been really good for Vikings, you know, cause the TV show and, and everything. Um, I just say that cause I do, I do Viking age living history and just our community in the U S has like exploded in the past few years. Um, so yeah, I think that there is like this burgeoning interest in, in the Viking age and, uh, Norse mythology, um, both thanks to Marvel and thanks to History Channel's Vikings. Um, and so I think it was a really good time to be writing about this stuff. And I hope more people do it, honestly. One of my very first historical romances way back in the 90s was this kind of like bodice rippery uh, Viking saga. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. Nice. And, you know, reading it now, like if, if I were to go back and read it again, I'm thinking, you know, I would be sort of horrified by some of the <laughs> like problematic, you know, yes. rapey kinds of things that would happen. Right. Yes. Um, but I remember being very, very intrigued as, you know, somebody who was probably way too young yes. to be reading <laughs> this anyway. Yes. Um, but it did, you know, pique my interest and just kind of get me to wonder about sort of that age, you know, that period in history that we didn't, you know, when I was in like elementary school, junior high, like we didn't talk about Vikings so much. Right. And so I, I read it in, you know, in this romance and I was like, oh, you know, this, this is kind of cool. Um, and so that kind of awakened, you know, that, that bit of interest for me in a way that I might not have been had I just like say read a history textbook. Right. Yes. You, you kind of like need that uh, connection with a character. Like you need something yes. to, to root you in that time period. Yeah. Much different than reading a history book. Right. Like I love the way stories can open sort of our, our minds and our awareness to things that we otherwise you know, might not have been open to. Like I read a lot of things in fiction and then say, oh, you know, I wonder about that now, like in real life, where if someone just said, oh, you need to read this, you know, very dry kind of, you know, reference book, 
I, I wouldn't be interested in the same way because right. I'm not, I'm not an academic, you know, in, in some of those ways where I want to read all of the like firsthand source material. Right. Exactly. And like, I know that there's a little bit of having to trust the author, like trust that the author did their research, like in that, right. um, in that regard. Um, but also, yeah, like, I mean, I also try to read like way beyond like my scope, right? Like I try to read as much at, by different authors and different genres as I possibly can, because I really think that like reading outside your experience, like makes you more empathetic, like, um, just like, you know, connecting with these, uh, with other people's, uh, other authors and their like experiences, like is something you can't always do in real life. I mean, especially, I think that's why, uh, you know, people started, it seems like people started reading a lot more during the pandemic, right? Because like you, you pe people are craving this connection to something and this escapism. And I think that yes. fiction is a really good way to do that. So you, your first book came out kind of like in the, the whole pandemic. <laughs> yep. So did you do all the like virtual book tours and things like that? Or were you kind of out when we were starting to do like the hybrid, you know, some virtual, some in person? Uh, so The Witch's Heart came out in February of 2021. Um, so I think that was like pre-vaccine, I want to say. If I yes. I don't know, the past few years are all just like kind of a blur. I, I know that people can relate. Uh, like, I yeah, I don't remember exactly, but I just know that at the time my publisher was condoning no in-person events. Like th okay. things things were starting to open up. So like I said, hey, like anybody local, like if you want me to sign your book, I'll be sitting at this coffee shop for a couple hours on this day. Please bring a mask. Like please wear right. a mask. Um, because I don't want anybody to, you know, be in danger just to get a book signed. Um and I, uh, I also was like, and if you don't feel safe going out, like definitely there will be other signings, like hopefully when, when things get better. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was a weird experience debuting in a pandemic because I kept hearing from other people like, oh, my publisher like did this and this and this for me, like in person. Um, but like, understandably, my publisher was not condoning anything, like not a single thing. They're like, nope, 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 nope. So um, not yet. I do not blame them one bit. And, um, I'm just very lucky now to be, to be doing a, a book tour for this book yeah, and I was just gonna be able ask to do you things in person. <laughs> what you've been doing now, like for this second book and how it's been different for you. Um, are they having you travel now? Like, is all that Yes. Like where you can, uh, okay. Awesome. Yeah. I actually just got back from San Diego comic-con, which was, incredible um that was like a total pie in the sky pipe dream for me as like a kid like oh man one day I want to go to San Diego comic-con so to go for my first time and have it be as a panelist was like just like a dream come true um and then I am as of tomorrow I'm kind of heading across the midwest and stopping at a few places uh where I have connections to the bookstores and um it's gonna be a lot of fun I'm really looking forward to it awesome so it sounds like you've had kind of two very different experiences like two very different release days oh yes definitely so now that the weaver and the witch queen is out in the world can you tell us anything about what we can expect next from you I actually don't know what my next project is. Um, I'm, oh. I'm yeah, um, which is like liberating, but also terrifying. Um, there's a couple of things that I sort of have in the works, but since uh, I do have 
one more book under contract with my publisher, whatever I do next has to like be approved. Um, so right. I'm just still, I'm just still working on a couple ideas to pitch, but, uh, yeah, I don't really, I don't know what's next. So we'll see. So when you finally, like when you get an idea, when you're like, okay, this, this is what I want to focus on. What do you see first? Like, do you know kind of who your character is or do you know sort of like a period of time or a, a scene? Like what kind of comes to you and says, okay, this, this right here is, is what I want to focus in on. Well, so my process for the witch's heart and the weaver and the witch queen were totally different because I wrote the witch's heart uh, 2011 uh, for NaNoWriMo and then sat on it for seven years before trying to get it published. Um, oh, so yeah, so it had, uh, you know, all that time to marinate and I kind of got to go back and, and revise and, and do stuff. And then I, once it got picked up by Penguin Random House, I revised with my editor a bunch. Um, and The Weaver and the Witch Queen was under contract, like to begin with. So I was very, very lucky to sell a book on like just a pitch. So I hadn't written it yet when it sold. Um, just again, so lucky, like the dream, um, just to be paid to write something you haven't written yet. Uh, I feel right. like it's just like incredible, mind blowing. I can't even believe it. Um, is that, that a lot of pressure? Like, yes, it is <laughs> so much. Um, so yeah, my process was, was totally different. Um, in that, for the witch's heart, I had kind of a bare bones idea of where the story was going just because I had Norse mythology to kind of follow the story from beginning to end. So I, I just kind of tried to fit the witch's heart around um, the myths like as we know them. But for the weaver and the witch queen, I wasn't really doing it like based on like any kind of solid events. Um, I was just like, okay, how are we going to get here? So I sat down and I was like, okay, I think I know how I want the story to end but I don't know how to get there. Um, I know authors who definitely sit down and like meticulously plan and outline and draw maps and do all kinds of like very organized stuff. Oh, um, yes. Yes. Um, and I have found that my best laid plans always go awry because my characters take on lives of their own and, you know, I'll have everything perfectly mapped out and then they'll just, I'll just get to that point. And I'll be like, I don't think this character would do this in this moment, the way that I've written them. So, oh. um, so yeah, I am what the kids call a pantser. Uh, I just don't outline. I sit down and, and just go and, uh, yeah. So lots of revising, <laughs> lots and lots and lots of revising. Do you find that to be a challenging like part of your process, like the, the revising or is it something that you enjoy? I actually do enjoy revising because the way that my process usually goes is that I plant a bunch of seeds at the beginning and like little, little plot seeds, just like sprinkle them everywhere, mention a bunch of things and a bunch of characters. And by the end of the book, I know whether or not the seeds that I planted like have sprouted into relevant plot things. <laughs> so uh, I can just go back and kind of weed out the things that really don't go anywhere because I don't really know where the story is going. Right. I remember reading a book once and there was this whole plot point that like, you know, the author mentioned it and mentioned it and then it just like never went anywhere. And I remember finishing the book and going, but wait, like, what about, what about this part? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally get that. I've, I've been there before. <laughs> um, and it, it, with Weaver, especially it went through four different drafts before the fourth one was the one that finally got accepted and came out <laughs> today. today? Uh, yes. Um, but there was so much left on the cutting room floor. I mean, like tens of thousands of words, like, and, and 
so there's there are some points in the story where like I do leave things open-ended because I would love to explore them in a future book um but there are some things that like yeah I wish I could have explored this more but I really didn't have the word count I had to cut a lot so um that was definitely the biggest challenge is to sit down and be like okay what is relevant what is not what serves the story and what doesn't So I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about you as a reader. You had mentioned um, a little while ago how important you think it is to kind of read, you know, as much as you can and in sort of a a variety of genres. So Mm -hmm. I'm wondering kind of where your comfort zone is as a reader. Like if you had to define yourself as a reader, like what would you say? Gosh, Um, I would say I, I like cozy fantasy. I think that's my new kind of, uh, obsession um just because i think in the these these strange times a lot of us do need comfort like we need stories that are kind of hopeful and uplifting and everything turns out all right um but sometimes yeah i just am in the mood for something a little bit darker but overall i really do stick toward fantasy a lot uh so i would say that i'm a fantasy reader however i i'm really getting into like horror and nonfiction weirdly enough um nonfiction is kind of like my current kick but I would say a fantasy reader overall. I always love the way people can like blend their their interests in, mm-hmm. in genre. And so just this idea of like horror and nonfiction, like just sort of going together. Yeah. Um, like it just, it amuses me sort of because it's, you know, like horror at one end of the spectrum and then nonfiction, right. which definitely can be horrifying, you know, depending yes. what you're reading. Yes. Um, but I always love kind of the things that seem so opposite and yet interest people when it comes to like what they read, you know, kind of what I... they choose to lose themselves in. Absolutely. So what have you read recently that you think the world should know about? So there are two books that I actually read on the way to and from uh, Comic-Con that uh, are coming out soon. Um, one is Medusa Sisters by Lauren J.A. Bear, and it is a, oh, yes. a Greek mythology retelling about Medusa's two sisters. Um, and it's one of those where you know the ending, right? Like, you know that this tragedy is going to happen, is going to yes. befall them, and yet you can't put the book down because you have to see how the author gets these characters to this point. And that that is exactly what I was going for in The Witch's Heart. Um, and I think that that's something that Lauren Bear like executes wonderfully in Medusa Sisters. Um, Greek mythology, Greek mythology, like Norse mythology, is pretty brutal. So yes, like yes. Um, and I mean, for people who know what happened to Medusa, like anticipate that that is just as bad as you think it's going to be. Um, yeah, I would definitely like. I would. I mean, I would always check content warnings for anything I read. Like, but uh, yeah, it does not shy away from the brutality of the time period, specifically the violence against women. But I think mm-hmm. overall, um, it was so, like a riveting read. Like, I literally, I sat down to read it, and I didn't get up to use the restroom on the plane until I was done. Like, it was just, it just sucked me in. Um, and then the other book that I read was Black Sheep by Rachel Harrison, who is one of my like auto read authors. Um, she's a horror writer. Um, and Black Sheep is about a girl who escapes a cult going back for a wedding. Um, and it's nothing like you would expect it was going to be. But I also, you know, if you have like religious trauma or something, I would definitely recommend checking the trigger warnings too. I tried to you like read I tried the sorry. return by her and, oh, yeah. and really, really liked it. Yeah. But it too. was yep. like super creepy in, in places. Yeah. 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 
I mean, like I, I, sorry to just a backtrack momentarily. I, I feel weird, like recommending books without like just mentioning like, Hey, just check the, check the warnings, check the content. Warnings. Oh, absolutely. But I don't, I don't mean to try to boil either book down to their, their warnings, but I know that there are people out there who, um, uh, you know, that's of concern to them. So just wanted to be super clear on that. Uh, I don't want to like recommend a book and have people be like, you didn't tell me there was all this stuff in it. So no, I think it's always good, you know, especially if like you as a reader know that certain things are hard for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's just generally a good idea to check um, because, you know, people aren't going to know all the things that may or may not you know, bother someone that right. may or may not be, be hard for them. And so I can say to somebody, oh, yeah, I think you should really read this because, you know, of this and this and this. And I can think like, OK, you know, from what I know. Like this should be fine for this person, but that doesn't mean that I know, you know, every, like every single thing that is going to be hard. And so I do appreciate when, you know, people do like look for warnings. And I think now we find, you know, places where you can find that information. Some authors make it super available. Yes. Um, You know, there are some websites that do it. And I think it's just a really helpful tool for us as readers, but also for those of us who recommend books, right. you know, as just part of what we do, um, you know, there's, there's just no way to know for everybody. Right. And I think a story graph does that really well. I have the content warnings posted on Goodreads for The Weaver and the Witch Queen. I also link to a more extensive but non-spoilery um, kind of list on my website just to be like very sure that people know what they're getting into because this is a book that takes place during the Viking Age. It is a violent time um people die um there's also like you know different things like i had actually one person see i have a content warning on that on the book for um death of a sibling and i had someone go hey i I recently i recently lost a sibling so i'm gonna hold off on this book for a while thank you for for posting this and i was like that's that's important and so i also like have a call out like hey like if you guys if there's anything that i missed like please let me know and i will add it like i really want people to know like you know, if I don't want anything to be really unexpected in terms of like, uh, you know, graphic content. So right. it's really important to me. Yeah. And it's not always the things that feel really obvious. Right. Like, oh, you know, this is something that should be disturbing to people. Right. Like not everything comes across that way. Yes, absolutely. And so I can read something and I could say, wow, you know, this is really dark, but like maybe for me, that's like dark kind of in an enjoyable, you know, something that I like to read. Right. And I think like, this is an ongoing conversation. I'm kind of on the periphery of like the horror world um, of writers, but this is, and readers, but this is like a conversation that has been going on there. Like the point of like, what is the point of horror, right? Like, should there be content warnings or should you just kind of go into it knowing that it is going to be, you know, you're expecting the horror to happen. So um, I don't know, that's an interesting conversation to witness going on. Well, and I think it it just changes so much, you know, depending on on who we're talking to, mm-hmm. um, yeah. what experiences they have, and that's you know I, I think we're never going to find a way right. to make everybody happy. So right. I say, sort of, the best thing to do is to err, you know, on the side of of safety, like without yes. without spoilers. Yes, um, yes, because I don't want content warnings to sort of especially if we're talking about like in a, a mystery or a thriller, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't want the consequence, the consequence. No, yeah. <laughs> I don't want the content warning 
to sort of spoil like that, you know, that big twist for people. Right. But at the same time, I do want people to be aware, you know, of the things that that might be difficult for them. Right. That's tough. And I think also part of that is that you like also have to know yourself as a reader, right? Like, am I outside my genre? Like, is this something that I think is going to trigger me? Because like, personally, I have like only one trigger, like only one thing where I would like put a book down and go, oh God, I didn't. Oh God. (laughs) So like, sometimes I don't look and then I'm kind of blindsided by this particular thing showing up. Uh, right. But, but again, like that was, that was on me for not checking the content warnings. Like you can easily find them these days a lot of the time. So um, just again, like knowing yourself and knowing, okay, like, is this something where I need to check or is this like a contemporary romance where maybe I feel comfortable, like that this thing is not going to show up in this book. So just right. knowing, knowing yourself and knowing your limits and your boundaries, I think is super important. Not every book is for everybody and that's okay. It is. It is totally okay. I have said, you know, a few different times on the podcast and we've been talking about like books on a theme that something was not the right book for me, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that it's not, you know, the right book for someone else. Exactly. And like when I, when I recommend books and when I like, you know, judge books and write my little like star rating in the, in my journal, cause I don't, I don't post things like a lot of reviews publicly. Cause I, I, I don't know. That's just not how I roll. Uh, but uh, a lot of the times, like I do have to sit back and be like, okay, was I just not the intended audience for this book? Right. Um, maybe that's why I didn't vibe with it. I usually know pretty quickly into a book, whether or not I vibe with it. Um, so Yeah. Just knowing what kind of reader you are goes a long way towards like knowing what books are going to be good for you. Yes. Well, I want to thank you so incredibly much for taking some time out of your schedule, especially on release day. <laughs> thank you. The pleasure was all mine. This was incredible. Um, can you let listeners know the best place to find you online? Yes, I am most active on Instagram at Jen Gornacek, which that's Jen with a G. Um, I do occasionally post on Facebook and Twitter, but Instagram is really uh, the best place to find me as well as um, you can also like, if you want to get in touch, submit a contact form or sorry, submit a message through the contact form on my website, which is GenevieveGornacek.com. And do you describe your Instagram photos? Um... I have started to. I have been meaning to go back and do that to some of them because I know, uh, you know, people with vision impairments really appreciate that. So I really, um, yeah, tried to go back and do that. But um, it might be a while before I catch up, but it is something that I am doing more frequently trying to do. <laughs> awesome. Well, once again, this has been a discussion with author Genevieve Gornacek about her novel, The Weaver and the Witch Queen, and this released in the U.S. on July 25th. All right, new books. So, as always, I'm going to start out with some things that you've heard us mention previously on our most anticipated releases of September episode. I have three to mention in that category, and all of these come from Stacy. So, they are Full Moon Over Freedom, Milagro Street, Book Two by Angelina M. Lopez. Things We Left Behind, Knock Em Out, number three, by Lucy Score, and The Long Game by Elena Armas. So these are all three contemporary romances. And as I said, these are all books that Stacy is looking forward to. And a bunch of us 
also read these and are excited about them, but Stacy mentioned them on the episode. So now I'm going to move into some books that you haven't heard us talk about. And the first two here are also contemporary romances. We have Fly With Me. This is by Andy Burke. It has gotten some pretty good pre-publication buzz. It is a queer romance, a contemporary. I am definitely looking forward to it. From what I can tell, the whole list at my libraries are pretty long. So it's definitely something that a lot of people are anticipating. Um, It looks like it's going to be fun, flirty, um, maybe a little bit on the cutesy side, but you know, sometimes that's okay when we're talking about contemporary romance. So this is Fly With Me by Andy Burke. We also have I Think He Knows. This is Donovan Family, book two by Katie Bailey. And this is an author that I'm not familiar with other than to say that Kristen talked about her uh, the first book in this series a few months ago on one of our most anticipated episodes and Kristen is a pretty big fan of like the series that feature families and so this one was on her radar and I remember listening to her talk about that first book and thinking like oh you know this could be a cool series so now book two is out And it is called I Think He Knows. Again, it is the second book in the Donovan Family series by Katie Bailey. I want to talk about some fantasy. um, And I'm starting with Payback in Death. This is in Death number 57 by J.D. Robb. And this one, I always sort of struggle with how to categorize it. Because on one hand, it is urban fantasy. Like it's set in New York in the future um it doesn't really have magic but it does have you know some sort of like futuristic things it's kind of sci-fi-ish kind of mystery-ish um i never quite know how to categorize these but fantastic fiction likes to call them urban fantasy and who am i to argue with fantastic fiction so this is payback in death in death number 57 by jd robb we also have a new Charlene Harris, and this is All the Dead Shall Weep. I really like this title. This is Gunny Rose, book five. And Charlene Harris is an author that I have actually never read. I know a lot of people really got into her back in the day um, with her Aurora Tea Garden books and her Carp- uh, Harper Connolly and her, of course, Sookie Stackhouse. And now she has started to write this Gunny Rose series. So this is the fifth one, and it is All the Dead Shall Weep by Charlene Harris. We also have Sleep No More. This is October Day, number 17, by Seanan McGuire. And I am a big Seanan McGuire fan, both of this series and her encrypted books. Um, I also love the stuff she writes as Mira Grant, I have to say I'm not current with October Day, um, but it is a series that I keep meaning to get caught up with. Um, Natalia really likes these, Sarah. um, So definitely, if you've not picked up a Sean McGuire, I highly recommend it. If you want to go back to the beginning of this series, you should start with Rosemary and Rue. But this one is Sleep No More. It's October Day, number 17, by Seanan McGuire. 
We also have a new Molly Harper this week. This is Witches Get Stuff Done. It's Starfall Point, book one. And Molly Harper is an author that I personally don't read, um, but a lot of the Beastresses love her. Uh, Kristen, Stacy, Sarah, Brooke, um, Natalia. I think Georgina has also read some Molly Harper. Um, and they're just like small town, very funny. Um, I do really enjoy her audiobook narrator, who is Amanda Ronconi. Um, but I tend to prefer my fantasy to be a little bit darker. But if you're looking for something that is bound to like make your day and just make you smile, um, a lot of people love Molly Harper. So definitely check this out. It is Witches Get Stuff Done, Starfall Point, book one by Molly Harper. We also have Enchanted to Meet You. This is Witches of West Harbor by Meg Cabot. And Meg Cabot has been writing for such a long time. Um, she wrote The Princess Diaries and a series that's called, oh, I can't remember the name of the series, but the first book is like size 12 is not fat. And she has for a while, you know, been doing like that women's fiction, um, you know, the Princess Diaries were like YA, but this is paranormal romance. And I'm pretty excited. You know, we're getting close to fall, lots of witchy books. I, I think that's pretty great. So we have Enchanted to Meet You, Witches of Westfall. No, I'm sorry. Witches of West Harbor, book one by Meg Cabot. So I'm going to segue here and talk about a few young adult books, because why not, right? So we have Suddenly a Murder. This is a young adult mystery by Lauren Munez, and it is about a group of friends who go on a 1920s-themed getaway. They're wanting to celebrate the end of high school, and apparently they get more than they bargained for. This is Suddenly a Murder, and it's by Lauren Munez. We also have Into the Bright Open. This is, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, um, another book in this series. This is book eight in the Remixed Classic series. And this is by Sherry Dimline. And it is a remix of The Secret Garden. And I am super excited about this because I've always really loved The Secret Garden. And I'm just very excited to see it kind of given like a modern facelift, so to speak. Um, it just looks really cool. This is an author that I've heard nothing but good things about. And I am just very, very excited. So this is Into the Bright Open, Remixed Classics, book eight by Sherry Dimline. Next up, we have a title that I think is so cool. This is The Spirit Bears Its Teeth. It's by Andrew Joseph White. Um, this is the author of Hell Followed With Us, which came out in either late 2021 or early 2022. Um, and this one is a little bit more fantasy than that one. Definitely dark fantasy with a trans main character. 
Um, it looks like it's going to be set in kind of like a magical academy, which I am always here for. But I guess this particular magical academy has its dark side. So this is The Spirit Bears Its Teeth, and it's by Andrew Joseph White. All right, so let's talk about some other mysteries, because, you know, mysteries are good. So The Square of Sevens is out this week. This is by Laura Shepard Robinson. And it is the story of a fortune teller's daughter. It's set during, like, in the Georgian period, which I think is pretty cool. Um, I haven't seen a lot of mysteries set during this time. And it's a time that I've always been pretty intrigued by, like in historical romance and historical fiction. So I'm pretty excited to see a mystery set here, especially if we get to see like fortune tellers. So this is The Square of Seven, and it's by Laura Shepard Robinson. If you're looking for a really creepy, terrifying mystery, then I have one for you. This is The House Beyond the Dunes my, by Mary Burton. and I have not read this particular book, but I have read other Mary Burton titles and her villains slash killers, like however you want to classify them, are some of the darkest and most sadistic that I've come across in, in fiction. Um, she writes serial killers in this very realistic kind of captivating way. So if you're looking for something that is, you know, going to really give you that dark feeling, I do recommend this. But if you don't like a lot of that, like, gore kind of in your face, then Mary Burton might not be for you. But this is The House Beyond the Dunes, and again, it's by Mary Burton. We also have Mother Daughter Murder Night by Nina Simon, and this is about a family that is kind of brought together by a murder. And it's a murder of one of their neighbors. I believe this is a debut. Um, I am on hold for it, but it might be a while before I get it, such as, you know, life as a library patron. But libraries are fantastic, and I'm so, so glad that we have access to them. So this is Mother Daughter Murder Night, by Nina Simon. We also have Beneath the Surface. This is the first book in a new series. It is The Kingsleys, and it's by Kara Rauda. And I was kind of surprised to see that Rauda was writing um, a series because she has been known pretty much since her debut um, for writing like standalone psychological suspense. So I'm interested to see how this shakes out with her writing a, a series and you know how the mysteries are going to be um because i'm guessing you know it's a very different thing to write mysteries sort of featuring the same characters um and it'll be kind of an interesting transition to watch so that is beneath the surface and it's kingsley's book one by Kara rauda and i'm rounding off tonight with a historical novel. This is A Beautiful Rival by Gil Paul. And this is taking a look at the cosmetics industry back in its beginnings. We focus on Elizabeth Arden and we follow sort of her rise. And 
some feuds that she has with other members of, you know, this sort of same, um, what I want to call it, profession. And we get to see sort of just how dark cosmetics can be. So this is A Beautiful Rival, and it's by Gil Paul. And that is all I have for you this week. I hope everyone is doing well, enjoying what's left of summer. Um, We have now, you know, fully like entered September where you're kind of, you know, feeling like fall here, even if the weather isn't like I know my, my spirit is ready for fall. So I hope that all of you are staying safe and well. And of course, as I always say, well read. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.